Some of you, just when you thought about this and thought Thursday night, and just like me when, you know, National Day of Prayer is like already set. So it's like this thing was just recently kind of thrust upon the group. We've just recently come together and the mayor challenged us uh, to, to do something on National Day of Prayer. And, and, and so my first thought is always, oh, that sounds good. I'd like to do that. And then the second thought is what? Um, I'm really busy. I hope... I hope I can fit it in. And so, what did I have to do? I had to go look at my calendar, which I keep through Google Calendar, thankfully, because I try to keep things in my head, and I did that for a while. And uh, uh, Adam, weren't you supposed to be here a little while? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, um, so, thankfully, I have this set up with reminders, and so I get a nice little half-hour, hour reminder before my appointments, and, and little, my little phone takes care of me and moves me around through my week. And I looked at my calendar and I thought, oh my gosh, there's not a lacrosse game that night. Hallelujah. And uh, even if there had been, just so you know, I would have, uh, would have uh, made old Ben go play without dad in the stands and uh, participated with this. But this is our lead-in for this week, uh, for this series. And we're starting with a, a conversation about our time and our calendar. And so most of the people I know including in this room, and including me. I told Sam this morning, I said, I am the king of hypocrites preaching, the, preaching this message this morning. And, um, and so this is, God has an amazing sense of humor, and uh, never think that when I'm preaching on something that I've figured that out. It's, it's usually what God has me dealing with. And then I'm sharing it with you as, as God is showing it to me, and that's the case. And so this new series is on margin, and most of the people I know are living without any room to breathe. And so something good comes along, and it's just like, there might not be any room in my schedule to do something that's so... Um, rare as something like this you know so that's why I would have gotten I would have uh, passed a on a uh, lacrosse game to go to this because it's as once in you know hopefully this is something we continue but the energy that I'm seeing in this room of pastors was incredible it's like we need a video and and and, and pastor Keith's like our team can make one after Easter and uh and and uh and then uh if you've driven down uh, 256 Hill Road, you see uh, Pastor Daryl, and he has the uh, billboard down there uh, right before um, the Dairy Queen kind of strip center. And he's like, you guys can use my billboard for the National Day of Prayer. And so it says a 1,000 people need it. And so somebody else had a TV connection, radio connection. We're believing for a 1,000 people, Christians, from Pickerington to march through downtown Pickerington. So anyways, as, we, as I look at my calendar, I'm like... So many times things come through that I want to do and I just look at it and there's no, there's no room. There's nothing left. And so we get this amazing gift of life and what's it worth to us? We know that it's so valuable and yet we, we try to squeeze so much of it out of it at, at, a, at such a consistent rate that we're alive, but what about our sanity? What about our freedom? What about our purpose? And so we end up with this calendar full of have-tos, and we end up locking ourselves down, and next thing you know, 
If you're a lot like me, these last couple weeks, as, as I've pushed a, a really large project that, that's, that we're going to have fun we're with at the house, we're building an in-ground pool, but I'm doing like 90% of the labor, and I got two jobs, you know? So it's like, where does that fit? And it's like, at some point, I'm going to enjoy it, but the pressure to do this, and then I'm, I'm watching everything kind of tuck into these little creases in my schedule, and I'm, I'm coming across things, I'm like, well, in this season of, of being maxed out that, you know, I'm saying no to a lot more things right now. But over this last couple of weeks, it just kind of snapped inside of me. And I'm like, I'm sick of living this way. I'm sick of have to. You know, I, you lock yourself into this thing and then it's got to come, you know, I can't just leave a hole in the ground. There's a liability there, you know. And so it's like, I've got to see this stupid thing through. And so we get to these areas and we get to these places in our life. And here's the funny thing. We'll say, God, help me. God, help me manage all of these things. This is one of those prayers that we don't like the answer because He's already given us the answer. Because He's already told us how to live. I want to read to you from uh, Haggai. There's, a, there's one for you. I bet you haven't read Haggai lately. So uh, go, go to the, the very end of the Old Testament, and there's these little, uh, usually a couple pages in your Bible. We call them the minor prophets, not because they weren't important, but because we don't have a lot of their writing. It's usually just like one letter or, or a couple little instances that have been documented. And so that's the case with Haggai. And so it's right near the end of the Old Testament. And what's happening here, to give you a little background, is this is uh, during the time of the Persian Empire. So short end of that is that it's about 500 years before Jesus. Persia is ruling the known world. If you paid attention at all during history class, that's, that's real history right there. They ruled the area that included the Jewish people, Israel. Well, this king let people go back to their original homelands and rebuild. He just wanted their tax money. Okay, and so a few different... Kingdoms would rule in different ways. And so they're in charge, but they let people go back and rebuild their homes. Listen to verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, This is what the Lord of heaven says. The people are saying, The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins. Wow. When God speaks, He's not passive-aggressive. He's pretty clear with what is bothering Him. And, and then we'll see His heart here in a minute. He's not being a jerk. He's challenging them and saying, you're out of line. If just like we, had, we just had the Richardsons up here. Build your house upon the Lord. If you put Him first in your life, then the other things come after. And so God constantly, throughout, throughout all of time, and through Sunday mornings today, or, you know, around the world, part of the message is reminders challenging us to live according to His plan. And so we get to these places of de desperation where we're screaming out to the Lord for help. And He's like, I've given you a better way 
to live. I didn't ask you to fill your calendar, right? And he won't. And, and, and that's, that's the, one of the beautiful things about our relationship with Jesus is that it's not religion. It's not about have to. You go to every other religion and you are encouraged to max your life out for the sake of whatever God you are serving. And the more you do for Him, the better person you are and the better seat you get in the, in the, in the afterlife. Right? So it's all about produce, baby. And, and what have you done for me lately? And, and God is saying, there's just an order to things. I just need to be first. And, and so that's where we're going to today. So, so we've got this, this situation. God doesn't hold back. He says, why are you living in nice houses and my house hasn't even been built yet? Wow. Well, listen to this phrase in verse 2. It says, the time has not yet come to build the house of the Lord. Question, do the people want to build a temple? Does that sound like they don't want to do it? No. It sounds like we'd like to, but we just don't have the time to yet. That sounds like a good idea, but I can't do it right now. We're too busy right now. Does this sound? This sounds like me, everything that comes, and we have to filter things. We have to say no to things. We're going to get to that more in this, in this discussion this morning. But these people are not telling God that they don't want a temple. They would love to have a temple. But what they're saying is they're seeing what's in front of them is saying, I can't do it right now. We have to plant. We have to harvest. We have to build our houses so that we have a roof to live under. We have to, we have to, we have to. Now this is, this is where the, the hypocrisy is so easy to trickle in because it's very easy for me to listen to your list of have-tos And I can very callously, in about 10 seconds, give you a recipe for what would take the stress out of your life. And I've been a jerk enough to do that plenty of times. Well, your kid does four sports, you moron. Of course you're losing your mind. And that's just one of the three kids. You've got to work 100 hours a week because you have to have a new car every year. Duh! This is easy for me. Looking at somebody else. Had these neighbors, not now. That's a joke because half my neighbors come here. This was as a kid. And um, had these neighbors. Uh, the, the, the man was really nice and helpful. He had every tool in the world, and, and so he was always uh, would come across and, and, and pitch in a hand or, or offer to donate a tool or whatever else. But let me tell you something about this family. They are the most maxed out family I have known in my entire life, and that includes the 15 years of ministry where I've known a lot of people's lives really well. Dad worked two 
hour weeks minimum. Full-time, two different jobs. He did first shift and third shift. And he had at times so he'd go right from the one to the other. Mom worked 40 hours plus. Two kids, both in year-round baseball. They had different boats that kept getting bigger. They had different campers that kept getting bigger. They had a garage. No stones thrown here. You could not walk three foot into the garage. If you needed a tool, he would roll out his giant snap-on tool case, which we'll get to in a minute. And he had every tool, but he had to be able to find it. And in that case, including the, if, you're a, if, you're, if you are a car mechanic at all, you know what that name Snap-on means. This truck comes to all the mechanic shops, and they've got the most beautiful tools in the world. And for the mere sum of $100 a week for the rest of your life, you can outfit your personal bay of tools. And so guys will put all of these tools, I'm right about this, aren't I? Jason's close by so you get the you get the tool right then so they kind of invented like this is an early on like instant credit kind of thing and you would then add that to your monthly payment to pay towards your tools and a lot of mechanics build up their stuff this way high quality stuff lasts forever this guy was not a full-time mechanic and yet would constantly buy what the guy would drop off and everything he would refer to was a payment amount yeah, well, this was just $5 more a month. This is just, five, you know, and everything kept adding on. Just take one more minute on this because it just gives me, it just, it's so saddening. And then we would take care of their pets while they were gone on, on trips. So they would spend the few hours that he wasn't sleeping, baseball games or practicing baseball, and it was intense. Like, it was these high-energy, our kids are going to be baseball stars or we're failures kind of things. And so it was just go, 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 go. And then I would uh, take care of their animals, and I would go in, and every seat, every surface was covered in clutter, and you, just, you could see where they just narrowly stood and eat, ate their meals, and... There was no place to rest even in the home. Everything cluttered. Everything maxed out. What are we doing? I mean, I've had times where we lose, you know, lose sight of, of, of different parts of, of our existence and everybody's got a junk drawer, believe me. Or two. Or three. And... But I see this family, and, and, and there was no, they, they were just barely functioning. And they didn't make it as a family. Um, it's difficult to see and make the corrections needed in our own hearts. It'd be easy for me to go across the street and say, how about you get rid of the four animals? How about you clean your house instead of going to a baseball game? How about you not have as many things so that you work 60 hours instead of 80 hours? 
You know, it's easy for me to see this, and yet I stack out my own schedule without mercy. Right? Okay, now that I've thoroughly depressed everybody, here we go. Haggai, uh, let's keep going, verses two more. Actually, I'm going to depress you a little further. Listen. Verse 5, this is what the Lord says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets full of holes. Somebody say, that's me. Come on, that's me. Okay, thank you. Reality check. God is basically saying, how's it going for you? How's this plan working for you? How are your relationships doing with me and with the other people in your life? How's it working for you? Um, God has just described the human condition, and that is we will never have enough if we do things our way. So I don't say that callously that He's already answered to prayer. He's given us a life giving plan that we can follow. And so when we cry out in desperation to Him as a good dad, He says, it's right here. I'll help you get back to it. I'll help you get back to it. Right? He loves His people. He wants them to know why peace is eluding them. That is why He is a good Father. That is why we can trust Him with our yesterday, our today, and our tomorrow. Because He cares that you're stressed out. He doesn't want you to be. Okay? We all work so hard, it would be nice to feel some progress. We need to put God first on our calendar and add margin to the rest. Why is it so hard to put the Kingdom of God first? Because there are have-tos. My mortgage uh, company likes to be paid on time. I always joke when we pay it, like, well, we get to live here another month. But seriously, that's it, an expectation. It, I, I, have to, I have to make that money and send it in, and then everybody's happy. And I get to someday own my home. And then I can pay lots of taxes just to live in it. Good. Good. Well, another story, another story. I gotta stop being so depressing here. People stop coming to this church. There are have tos. We do have to work. We do have bills to pay. We do have relationships that are God given in our life that we should take care of. Those are, those are have tos. But we get distracted with those, and then God slides down the list of priorities, right? And so, how do we put God first? Where this will be, it, it's. It's so frustratingly simple, and, and these are the kind of things that, that we just have to encourage each other in. It's, just, it's part of the Christian life is that we would help each other grow and live better. Is that okay? So I'm listening too, okay? So we need to learn to say yes to God and when to say no to everything else. We don't learn to just say no to everything else. You will have no friends, no life, no house. And you just can't. It, that's not possible. That's not healthy either. And, and so, but we do have to learn how to say no. How, uh, learning to say yes to God. This is what I have uh, learned. Is that there's a reason why he says to put him first because he knows that we have a life full of have-tos. 
And so he is a want to and a get to. And so I get to schedule God first. What does this look like? Four areas. Let me just, let me just run through these. Worship, grow, rest, and serve. If these are not a part of your overall life, these, all four of these tend to be, I'd like to do that, but I can't right now. And so even the basic role of just attending church on Sunday morning, we're not talking about things that are going to keep you from heaven or take your salvation. Hopefully we thoroughly covered that in the grace series, okay? I'm talking about living the abundant life God has provided, though. Okay, I'm talking about enjoying what He has made room for through the cross and through grace and through the leading of the Holy Spirit is that we need to make time for worship. And so often is the case that now even attending a Sunday morning service becomes optional. And so this needs to be something that you decide as a family. We go to church on Sunday mornings. It's that simple of a statement. But until you make that first, and then the calendar comes out, well, then you're going when you don't have a game, or when you don't have work, or when you don't have this. And there's seasons for different things. Please, please don't hear just judgment in my voice today. That's not. The Father's heart is that we would have peace in our homes. And by placing worship... So let's say you couldn't be here on a Sunday. Well, I love one of my good buddies, Anthony. He's probably on Facebook Live right now while he's sitting at his desk. So so if you... Because here, here's what happens. There's other ways to. This isn't the only way to worship God. This is a way that stays healthy and do it together. But how many times can you not be at church but then it's not made, it's not done any other way. Well, C3's got a service on Monday. Grace has got a service on Thursday. Um, these, all of our messages are attached to our Facebook Live and our website. And, and so what am I saying? That if you don't hear Pastor Adam preach, you're, you're just going to... No. I'm saying is that is Sunday morning worship on your schedule? And so now the average churchgoer continues, considers once or twice a month regular church attendance. That's, that's, that's not good. Growing. Growing sounds like this. That's, that's where you are moving forward in the Lord. Hopefully we all take some baby steps today. That's what we should as we collectively learn. But as I encourage you over and over again, your best insights from the Bible are, are not going to come from me. They're going to come from you digging in and, and going to other resources. That's how I grow in the Word. I'll go read a, a, a commentary that makes sense or a Bible study where somebody's gotten you know, on, on a certain track and figuring some things out, and it helps me grow. A connect group. Oh, man, that sounds good. Now is not the time to be in a connect group. I want to be, but I can't. When will it be? Because until you have regular connection with other believers, 
you're, you're, you're just setting yourself up to kind of oh, just tread water, I guess would be the best way to describe it. And, and you're not enjoying the community that's provided through the church. We love being here on Sunday mornings, and God wants us to experience that community often. Now, can we be together every day? No, please. <laughs> did I say that out loud? Yeah, I did. No, but, <laughs> but man, a little text here or just stopping to see, you know, uh, staying that connection means so much to me, and it does. I've had other pastors say, what can I pray for you today? Just gotten a text from somebody. What? I'm connected? There's, there's other people in this with me? Beautiful. Um, podcasts, that's how I survive when I spend a lot of time uh, driving for my other job. And third one, rest. So we have worship. That can be coming to church, spending time, switch to music, throw on some elevation, throw on some Bethel. Our list of songs that we do regularly on worship, we have a Spotify list. You can find all of those and, and, and get to know our songs better and just worship as you're driving, working in the yard, whatever. Growing, reading podcasts, uh, connect group, rest. Sorry, Lord. I feel the heat coming on my head at this moment as I would tell other people to rest. What does rest do? For me personally, tithing and giving away money to the church is so part of a natural part of how I was raised and what I do that it, it doesn't I don't it, it doesn't impact my mind a whole lot it's just part of what I do the greatest thing that I can do that says that I trust God right now at this point in my life is to rest It's more proof that this is a relationship, not religion, because God wants me healthy. He wants my relationships to be healthy because then He knows that His love can more easily pass through them. If Danielle and I are maxed out and we hit those moments, then we are running off. We're running sheerly on grace because we, we're, we're kind of, you start. You start misinterpreting the other person's cues and what they say. You start assuming the worst instead of the best, and, and you get tension instead of, is that just my house? Okay, but, but you get into that place, and so when you build and rest, then you're able to take the time you need with the people that you need to have those healthy relationships with, and you can't ride that edge uh, very long. Um, Resting is one of the most more significant things that we can do that show that we trust God. The fourth thing is to serve. Obviously, we love people serving and volunteering here, but that is just scratching the surface. There is a world out there that is desperate to know the love of Jesus, and there are little things that you can do in lots of different ways. And if you are beelining from one thing to the other, how many times we say, I wish I could help do that oh i'd love to go on that mission trip i'd love to go to that work day i'd love to i'd love to i know that neighbor could just use a hand but i don't have the time you see what i'm saying so there's there's no there's no margin for for god to to use us the key is to schedule his time first now this this doesn't sound very spiritual 
scheduling time with God. Well, I just want it to happen naturally. Well, me too. And guess what? The people of Israel did too. I really believe that they wanted to build the Lord's house. Guess how long they'd been back? One year? They needed to build their houses first, right? That takes a little while. Throw some mud together. Oh, we got a plant, we got a harvest. Oh, so a full, maybe a couple years, get the, get the plants growing. They'd been back 16 years. So now does God's comment make a little more sense in that context? He's not being a jerk. And he sees their desire to want to make room for him. But it's been 16 years of it's not time yet. That's how easy it is for us to keep walking past the things that if, if you feel like you're supposed to be serving somewhere, that's the Holy Spirit drawing that. That's a burden for that in your heart. If you want to spend time with, with, um, with, uh, with pregnant teenagers that are, that are considering abortion or adoption, or you want to go spend time down with the homeless shelter, if you want to go help Pastor Lloyd down at Victory Ministries, I'm not talking about filling your calendar, but where is it at? We just have a few people showing up at work days now here at the church. And, and I've, I've toyed with the idea of, you know, are they just too often? Do we need to separate them out? And, and I understand that. I'm not here to beat anybody up. But yeah, we want to happen naturally. That natural time will come when there's margin in your life. So you schedule his time first. And then if there's margin in your life and you see somebody that needs some attention, you see somebody that man, I should probably take them out to lunch and see what's going on. I know their mom passed recently. I know their dad passed recently, and they just, they're not quite, they're not quite their old selves. I need, to, I, need, I need to spend some time with them. You see that? That's where the spur of the moment stuff comes in, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants to use it. Yes to God, put him first, and watch him move. This is one of those things like tithing, and we'll talk about that later too, is that when we put him first, then we get to watch the miracle of things fitting. And all of a sudden, there becomes an order to your life, and, and there's peace in that. And so the Bible says in Matthew 6.33, a familiar verse, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. God cares about the other things in your life. He gave them to you. He gave you your family. He put that passion on you that hopefully is attached to whatever you do for a living. He, he's given you that resource to provide for your family. He's given you um, the, the, the passions and the interests that you have. And he says, put me first. Saying no to everything else. Close with these thoughts. We hate saying no. But the reality is, is every time we say yes to something, we are saying no to something else. This is such a monumental thought for me to, to comprehend over the last few years. Because being in ministry, being just a, um, I just, I like to help people. I, I like to, I've got friends that I want to spend time with. I've got family that I care about. I, there's, there's always something that could be done. 
There's always somebody that needs a hand. And if I'm not careful, I will yes my calendar to explosion. Right? And so what I had to learn, and this breakthrough came to me, is that some of my best yeses are when I say no to something. Because if you ask me to do something when I know that we're going to spend time as a family, I'm going to say no to you as nice as possible. Because I'm really saying yes to my family. I'm going to say no to making, to being, doing everything possible here in the building. I, I, I made such a, I was bragging to Ryan the other day that I was able to take my tools home from the church. I'm going to bring them back for a little thing I'm doing upstairs. But there are enough people helping with stuff. I took my toolbox home. And it's okay if I'm not here building something. It's okay. I'm saying yes to something else. Here's the key. No is the key to margin. We've got to learn when to say this. I'm going to finish with this analogy. It's springtime. Now, if you get a little crazy when the sun gets really warm, you might think it's time to plant. Well, have you ever planted too early and then watched everything? So you don't plant until what? Usually Mother's, Mother's Day. Yeah, that's a good rule. All you green thumbs. I tend to kill more things than grow. So Danielle takes care of that. I just, just try to mow and keep the peace. But think about a garden. Ben's mowing now too. That's fantastic. Actually, he's the only one mowing this year. Thank you, Jesus. Fantastic. I said no to mowing. That's good. Say yes to swimming. Think about a garden. This is what we're going to finish with this picture. The worship team can come up. This is how you learn what to say no to. If you were to set up a garden, what are the first couple things you're going to do? How the size? What can I, of course I would love 5,000 tomatoes, but what can I reasonably take care of? What's the yield I'm looking for? What, what, are the, what are the things that I want to get out of that garden? Well, then what's next? If I want tomatoes, then what kind of seeds do I buy? It's pretty easy for me then to go through the plant aisle, even though if something looks really cool, I say, no, 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 no. Goose, I fooled you. What am I doing? I've decided what I want to see grow. I've decided on the results that I want to see in my life. I've decided that I want my wife to still love me when I'm even older and cantankerous than I am right now. I've decided that I want my children to always want to come back and visit me. I've decided that these few precious close friends that I have in my life, that I want to have them as long as I'm here. I've decided that God has given me a family that is the most precious thing to me on the planet. And so including my parents and siblings, that I keep a connection with them. 
I've decided to serve Jesus with my life. I want the fruit to come out of my life, not just that I would look more like Jesus, but that other lives would be changed for the kingdom of God. I've decided on the fruit that I want to come out of that garden. So now I'm not being a jerk when I say no to something. I'm saying that will not produce the fruit that I built this garden for. So you need to pray. We need to pray and say, God, what am I here for? Because I can't do it all. And guess what? Jesus didn't do it all. He went to bed. He spent time with just his closest friends. He spent time with just some of these other friends. He didn't go to every dinner party. What do you want to see grow in your life? And that'll help you know how to say no to things that look good. Let's pray. With heads bowed in this room, Father God, I thank you that this message is for me today. God, I pray that you would forgive me for taking care of myself first. God, I thank you that you've already given me an answer to my prayers about the stress in my life. It's to put you first. And it's to build margin into this beautiful thing called life that you've given me. Father God, I pray that in this room, you would begin to give a picture in our spirit's minds, God, of the gardens that you are growing through each of us. God, that you would give us a picture of the fruit that we want to see. So God, that we can then work backwards and say, this is what I'm going to plant today. God, I'm going to worship you. God, I'm going to serve you. God, I'm going to rest. God, I want to grow. And I thank you that you do the growing. You provide the rest. You add every other thing to our lives. We thank you, God. We thank you that you care about us this much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship gone over a couple minutes. We'll have people up here that are willing to pray with you this morning, and um, we'd love to pray with you and talk with you about what's going on in your life so that we can pray and agree with you.